I'm Shark Child, and this is The Dark Verse, a collection of my strange works with the sole purpose of sharing with you a unique world of horror and fantasy that will follow you to the visions of your sleep. Sorry that this episode is a day late. I was working on the story last night, and I was just getting really tired, and I really liked my story, so I wanted to embrace a new day and embrace the story with fresh eyes so that I could complete it perfectly. Other than that, the book is looking very good. I just received a press proof, which is an actual hard copy of the book, which I get to look over for any last adjustments, which there are a couple. So once those are taken care of, this book is going to be ready to rock and Roll. I'm very excited, so you should be very excited as well. At least I hope you are. Oh, and if you didn't know, if this is your first time listening to this episode, it would be helpful to let you know that this book is the first volume of The Dark Verse, which is 26 stories. It's the first year of this podcast, and it's going to be great. This is episode 37 of The Dark Verse. And it is entitled, The Deviations. The dreams I had while I slept in the unsanctified darkness of the Slanterhorn Estate Mansion's attic were never pleasant. As I stared up into the ancient rafters, Letting my body and mind be overcome by sleep's oblivion, I sensed that the world of twisted things somehow pressed more mercilessly on such sights, places tucked so far away that light had lost its memory of them. If only a needle of day could have penetrated the dense capsule of my home, my heart would have been at ease. There were no luxuries for me in the attic. There was a stiff wooden stool, a wooden cabinet of clothes, a small table, a very uncomfortable bed, and two lanterns that were consistently replenished with oil. The rest of the attic was empty. Nothing but darkness lived there. Not even the lantern's light could reach its far-off distances. My arrangement of items always remained by the iron door in the floor, and I was not able to move them had I even wanted to. Each and every piece of furniture was bolted securely into the floorboards. The lanterns as well were bolted down, one upon the cabinet and one upon the table. Without being able to transport light, I never even dared to explore the full extent of the eerie loft. I often made requests to have my quarters moved elsewhere in the Slanterhorn estate, but Miss Donna always gave me a variation of these words. 
It's just not right for a boy of your stature to mix with the likes of our lords and ladies. Even Stickle sleeps with me out in the shed. You must simply accept your place. But I could not accept my place, and I hated the attic. Miss Donna and Stickles were the only people to ever visit me. Miss Donna brought me food with her brunette hair tied in a bun behind her plump face. The apron around her body was always covered in flour or oil or any of the other myriads of ingredients she worked with. Stickles came more rarely, bringing up with him a wash basin, soap, and a towel. He came to clean me and would scrub me with suds until my skin became raw. Whenever I saw him, the same brown, dapper coat and slacks hung upon him, matching his thick mustache. Before he washed me, he would take off his coat and roll up his sleeves. My brief moments with Miss Donna and Stickles were the complete encompassment of my social life. And every time they left, they would close again the iron door leading down into the mansion. I hated that iron door just as much as I hated the attic. Its flesh was so cold, and its surface had neither blemish, nor groove, nor handle, nothing from which to lift it by. The only substantial detail upon the door was the small keyhole that harbored a portal of darkness to match the attic's own enshrouded depth. Only the key Miss Donna and Stickles brought with them could open the door. When placed in the hole and turned to the left until it clicked, its large, crescent backside became a handle. I was not locked away from the estate. The estate was locked away from me. I felt the effects of abandonment, but mainly it was boredom that plagued me. Nothing was given to me for the sake of amusement or learning. It was just me, the scrappy pieces of furniture, and the darkness. Despite my depravity, I did find one way to pass the hours. I played with shadows. Blocking light with my hands and body, I used the trails of flickering lantern dusk to create and tell tales. I became quite good at crafting things, although they were mainly things I made up. Within my stories, I escaped the entrapment of the attic and taught myself peculiar abilities, abilities within thought and abilities of the imagination. But just as a child becomes bored of a used and worn toy, I became jaded by shadow play. My fun grew weak and my reality became grim. Under this actuality, the Slanterhorn estate faded into nothing but a myth. The spoken words of its name were all I knew of it, so I thought for many years. One dark hour, while standing in lantern light and staring at my shadows, as I always did most of my time awake, I caught a glimpse of something different than I had ever before noticed. One of my shadows, specifically the one created by the cabinet's lantern, altered briefly before my eyes. I saw something within the shadow. I saw a design that seemed to come from within me. 
Somehow this aspect inside me caught light from the lantern and fell visible upon the floorboards. My silhouette twisted around the design, trying to control it and put it back in place, but I did not want it to go back in place. In making this decision to let the design roam freely, I ignited a small cache of forgotten memories. I was an infant in a basket while an old man carried me. I saw blue skies and big fleeting clouds. I was carried into a mansion. Inside the mansion, my only sights were of the ceilings above me. Murals of artwork covered each. One corridor ceiling had a river painted upon it, flowing straightly with a forest full of unmatched life on either side. Fairies, elves, demons, angels, and other fantastical beings danced so thickly it were as if they were the trees themselves. Another ceiling held a landscape filled with floating islands of rock. These rocks, cut and sanded down on their tops, held castles with gigantic walls and doors. Between the islands, only pure emptiness lingered, lit by distant stars. Then, quite suddenly, all of the colors went away. I was placed in the attic and banned from laying a single foot anywhere within the Slanterhorn estate. As I remembered these things, hatred poured down my spine. I was deprived, and I suddenly realized there were many, many things I had never had. The design inside me writhed uncontrollably, and my heart burst with rapturous longings. I wanted deliriously to view once more the paintings on the mansion ceilings. I wanted to leave the damned attic and experience anything different than the insidious pittance I knew. I wanted to escape. I wanted to murder the present and encumber a wild, unpredictable future. I wanted devils to grow feathers. I wanted wood to melt. I wanted teeth to spike. I wanted fire to become black. When that plea erupted within me, I caused my first deviation. There was a twitch and a tweak, and a difference broke out inside me. As this occurred, I heard them, the carry-on, in the dark, all around. Their scuttling feet rattled the floorboards. They were my enigma. They were my revolution. They came to me with the festering beckon of the newly discovered design inside me, my soul. Hello, I yelled out to them when I heard their existence arrive. They rustled further beneath the fading sound of the word, still hidden in the covering of blackness throughout the attic. Hello, I said again, with more force and demand. They did not show themselves. For many minutes, I listened anxiously to the intense pattering surrounding me. I listened until the vibrations of the carrion became language and told me what to do. I needed to free myself. I needed to open myself up to their cause and unravel my scarred interior. Like the attic I lived in, I was a shell of disgusting contents, 
barred down and locked away inside myself. Listening to the wisdom of the carrion, I unleashed my second deviation and further altered my soul. With the hands of my mind, I took hold of those wounds that flourished upon my soul and ripped them off like scabs, allowing the fluids of suffering to flow freely. The carrion came forth. Their restless feet found direction, and they swarmed to me as if I were dead meat for their hungering appetites. Hundreds and hundreds of small, unimaginable pests began pouring out from the protection of the attic's darkness. They piled over each other, no taller than flat bars of soap, and ran to their prize. Each ran on eight legs, sharp, black daggers that tore through the terrains they traveled. Nothing but a splinter of body hung between the scouring legs, and each of the minuscule bodies supported massive mandibles that stuck out from wafer-thin heads. The carrion did not crawl up me, but through me. They ran between me as if I were a composition of a web. One by one they trod to my soul and lacerated a piece free with their terrifying mandibles until my entire soul was carried off in parts by the army of insect salvation. Then the carrion fell. They dropped through the floorboards of the attic and fell from the ceiling below like rain. Without slowing, they marched into a lower room of the mansion where two children played. The children, with innocent eyes, looked on as the swarm of the carrion began plunging into the younger of the two. Again, one by one, they trod to the soul. This time they placed my soul. And for each piece of my soul placed, so one of the child's pieces was deviated and displaced. This was the third deviation. This was done until my soul had completely replaced the one previously there. The scattered soul of the child then desperately searched for a new home. Any home. The soul had no knowledge of my soulless body in the attic. It only knew how to embrace, and so it would embrace the closest vacant entity, no matter what it was. The closest host at that time was a housefly rubbing its legs together while planted on the inner side of a window. Piece by piece, the child's soul entered into the fly, embedding itself into the ungainly, intangible roots therein. The fly buzzed. I opened my new eyes. Caleb? the other child said. Caleb? The fly darted towards me. I caught it in my small child's fist with unnatural dexterity. Gently I squeezed, not enough for the fly to burst, but so its wings were crippled and its insides were damaged. I opened my fist and gazed at a creature I had never before seen. Then I let it fall to the ground, its last moments of life fading away without remedy. The remaining child left abruptly. But I remained. My interests were immediately piqued by my surroundings. Toys littered a room cluttered by colors. Colors on the floor. Colors on the walls. Colors in every little item to be seen. 
I was in awe. I stood in place until every sight had been seen, and then I moved on. When a new surrounding unseen by my eyes materialized, I would stop once more and soak it in. Short steps here and short steps there. I began meandering around the enormous mansion of the Slanterhorn estate with ultimate delight. I saw the ceilings of my memories. I saw the antiques of the walls, the textures of the architecture. I saw everything. While gazing with emphatic eyes upon the structure of a fireplace, Miss Donna came rushing into the scene. There you are, Caleb, she said. Come on, be good to me. Her words seemed to be spoken as if she recognized me deep inside the child's body. It sounded like a plea, and whether it was or not, I paid it no regard. Miss Donna was nothing good to me, and I wanted her. The carrion returned gleefully at my request, pouring out from beneath the floor and removed my soul piece by piece once more before then deviating Miss Donna's soul with my own, my fourth deviation. In this case, the child I had just left was the closest host, so Miss Donna's fragmented soul immediately retreated there. I looked down at the whimpering face of a child, newly born into the world. I let it be, and continued exploring the vastness of the Slanterhorn estate. In all, I had made one thousand five hundred and forty-seven deviations before I grew tired. I had traveled the world, saw its beauty, and saw its hideousness. In the conclusion of these travels, I wanted to return to only one place, the attic at the Slanterhorn Estate. I wanted my uncomfortable bed. I wanted my baths and my horrible dreams. I wanted once more to play with the shadows. When I arrived upon the great expanse of the estate, I smiled with the mouth of a doctor in suit and tie. I requested my chauffeur let me out at the front gates so that I could walk the winding road through forest and over bridge until I was at the front doors of the mansion. Nothing seemed to have changed except the disappearance of people's movements. Once at the doors, I opened them and walked inside. I walked through the kitchen and the dining room. I walked through the halls and glanced once more at the images of the ceilings. And when my peace had been made, I climbed the many steps towards the attic. Before I knew it, I was pulling down the ladder that led to the iron door. And then I was climbing the rungs. I pressed my right hand up against the iron door that sequestered the attic from the world and pushed it up. Lantern light poured into my eyes, causing me to blink harshly. Then I saw a monster playing with the shadows just like I used to. Its body was human-like, but its face was grotesque. I knew you would come, it said, and then while I held open the iron door and only watched, it slithered between the ladder rungs and me and danced into the light of day. 
After it left, I entered the attic, letting the iron door close shut, although I did not have the key, and laid down upon my bed, concluding the transaction of my last deviation. That concludes episode 37 of The Dark Verse. I hope you enjoyed it. If you get a chance, visit thedarkverse.com and go on the right column, right side. There will be a column and you can input your email address. I would love it if you did so I can keep in touch with you with all of the great crazy news you know that I have that I'm just dishing out left and right. Please download all of my past episodes at thedarkverse.com or on iTunes. If you want to add me as a MySpace friend, you can do so at myspace.com slash thedarkverse or myspace.com slash sharkchild, either which one. Also, if you want to give me any feedback, email me with this email address, sharkchild at thedarkverse.com. Alrighty, goodbye. All stories on the Darkverse are the sole property of Sharkchild and cannot be used for distribution, publication, or monetary gain without my written consent. Sleep deeply and remember to love.